I'm Katie. I'm Sarah. And this is Something Spookish. And this is an Eerie Encounters episode. That means that I am actually going to get a story live from someone that we are interviewing. And unlike our other first Eerie Encounters episode, we thought it could be better if we talked to people directly. So I'm really excited to be talking to Sarah today. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in the paranormal? I would say interest is probably not the correct word because it just comes. Yeah. <laughs> so whether I'm interested in it or not, it seems things just sort of happen for me, to me, with me. Yeah. Just at you. At you. Yeah. <laughs> at me. I'm just trying to mind my own business, enjoy my life, and then things happen and maybe they don't happen to everyone else in the same way or people aren't paying attention in the way I pay attention. I'm not sure. Well, I have loved talking to you about your other stories because when we first started hanging out we were just exchanging some paranormal stories and the stuff that you were talking about was really really cool and for those of you who haven't yet listened to the music and death episode that is actually one of our stories that I got from Sarah so please go back and listen to that and um, if you listen to it this will make sense. So do you mind if I, so you were just telling me kind of as a tangent, but I actually thought it was pretty profound about what happened the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was just working and just sometimes things come out of my mouth that have no explanation. Like I'm not even really thinking about anything deeply or nothing inspired me to talk about things, but you know, you have chit chat with people in the workspace and I just opened my mouth and said something along the lines of the queen's about dead or she's gone she's gone this week or something like that and uh, yeah she died the next day (laughs) and not only did you have one witness who like pointed out that you had said that the day earlier but you had like several witnesses yeah so about three people were like so we were all working together that the day that the queen died and it was announced as we were working and I went, oh, you know, kind of rest in peace, the queen's dead. And we were, we were all just kind of like absorbing the fact that that was the latest news headline. And I went, didn't I just say that yesterday? And then, and then my coworkers, uh, you did. That's weird. You know, just kind of pointing out that that's weird. But again, this tends to happen to me quite a bit. So It does, and again, for our listeners, if you go back and listen to Music and Death, the reason that we titled the story that is because Sarah has this, I don't know what to call it, like a tendency or I guess a pattern of selecting a certain artist to play for your classes, for the fitness classes that she runs, and either the next day or several days later, that artist happens to pass away. Yeah. And it's kind of like you're tuning into something yeah. that's kind of that's out there. 
Yeah, it seems to be like I. It, and again, it's like even with the music, it's not that I really love that artist or that I've been really craving it or want it to circle around in my playlist. Like, literally, all of a sudden, I want to listen to Tom Petty, and I don't even like Tom Petty. <laughs> so suddenly, I'm like, we have to listen to Tom Petty this week, and then he died. <laughs> so it's it's a little weird. <laughs> I, I think that's amazing. I feel like the more I talk to talk to you, the more I like can kind of understand how you're connected. Yeah. to things yeah and so we kind of we kind of start that episode with talking about that but then it also circles back at the very end of the episode so maybe before you listen to this one with Sarah go back and, and listen to the music and death episode because I think that might also help give some like background information to anything else that we talk about today mm-hmm. so it's good yeah yeah well thank you for joining me again thank you I'm very excited because <laughs> you are a fellow spooky spirit which <laughs> is my favorite kind I like that <laughs> yes but the fellow spooky spirit spooky spirit also you know with Josie as well so this is a special just a special kind of episode where we get to talk to other people about what they've experienced because it's basically what I live for. It's fine. Cool. Uh, so you had like a ton, a ton of different things. Did you have a story that you felt you wanted to lead with or that you were pulled mm-hmm. to share? Uh, yeah, well, this is another just, it's, it's like a softer landing. Like when we get into the really deep stuff, I think it takes more explanation, but this is the cute one, the astrophysics guy. Oh, yes, please. Because this is just cute. It's cute. It's kind of as cute and cheeky as the Queen of England story. Because, like, we we know that, and and I had said this to you, that we know that, like, it's not far-fetched that I might be able to predict that a 96-year-old woman could pass away today. That's not obscure. That's pretty, I mean, a lot of people could say that. Now, the fact that I said it is where things get weird, that I just... That you said it, that you don't know why you said it, and then she did pass away the next day. And I really appreciate your your devil's advocate there, where you're like, well, she's 96. (laughs) She is, but she's also the Queen of England. Like, she could have lived to be well into her hundreds. like Right, and then, you know, Tom Petty could have lived to 96, too. So those are the same things. But So the astrophysics guy story is just another, like, really light, quick one, where, you know, I work at a fitness gym... And it was a day where people were kind of trickling out. We'd already finished class and people were just kind of slowly leaving the building. And and it's nighttime, so, you know, we're closing up. I'm getting ready to shut down the lights. And a, and a man walks in to the fitness gym. And right next door to our fitness gym is an ice cream shop. So I'm definitely assuming he's lost and he needs ice cream. <laughs> so I said, no, 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 the ice cream place is next door. And he goes, no, I'm here to inquire about your rates and the fitness, like what classes you all teach and the what the rates are and what I could do. I'm here new in town. And I said, and again, just kind of like these blurps that come out of my mouth. I like nothing where I'm thinking of ahead of time or making a judgment on this guy. I just go, oh, are you one of those astrophysics guys? Because <laughs> I'm sure you get those in your gym all the time. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> We get mostly, sorry, but mostly like old women and college students. And, and he like, he kind of just looked at me sort of stunned. And he goes, I'm actually here to give a lecture on astrophysics. What? And I'm only here for a week. I'm from Brazil. And I'm giving a lecture at CU this week. And I was just looking for a fitness place for the week. 
but yeah, how did you know that? And I'm like, I didn't know that. I just said that for some weird reason. Like I had no idea why I said that. He was probably <laughs> shocked. He was like, do, we were all do shocked. you know me? We were all shocked. And then I was like, fuck, like I, I have just, we, you know, as a businesswoman, you're thinking, oh, a guy here for a week wanting to like work out with us. This is good revenue stream, you know, like, and I probably really scared him away. I'm not getting him to come back. I don't think he did come back. Um, <laughs> too yeah, he's probably pretty scared because, and, and, you know, again, I had a witness there too. Like this, this guy, Fred, that comes to my class, he's, he just kind of looked at me too. Like, why did you say that? I'm like, I have no idea why I said that. I just said it. I, this happens all the time. Like you just, you so that's just my other up. cheeky story. I love that. <laughs> and the fact that you just don't know why you say some there's certain things some, so sometimes bad. I feel like people should listen when that happens and you should listen when that happens yeah but I almost feel like if it manifests like if I try to force it then it wouldn't show up that way like if I'm really like okay I'm gonna wait and, and when something comes to me write that down or record it or just like to prove it or it's almost like if you could you know know who's gonna win the ball game, then you could go gamble on it or something. Like as soon as you put that kind of energy into it, it kind of ruins it, I think, sabotages the energy. Because mm -hmm. I really just, and, and I don't know why, like I'm, I'm kind of introverted, so for me to just blurt out stupid shit is just not, it's just not okay. But sometimes I just do that, I, th I feel like it's because I feel awkward and I'm just trying to make light conversation. And then all of a sudden I've reeled into this guy's whole career like he wasn't supposed to say yes that's what I do he was supposed to say <laughs> right you know he was supposed to say oh haha ha, good one but you know I'm a CPA you know uh, I never expected him to say that that's what he actually did and I never there was no weight behind it at all right you were just trying to I think yeah. be light like you were saying and, yeah and it's a really random and very unlikely thing for someone to be yeah and as you mentioned there's not like a gazillion astrophysicists that come into our space. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't imagine no. that way because when you think of a scientist, no offense scientists, there are scientists <laughs> also who work out a ton, but not all the time. Well, quick plug, if you are an astrophysicist or any kind of science geek, I really love working with you. And then like for fitness, like we could geek out. Come to Boulder. <laughs> Come yeah. to Boulder where you can, you can get fit and talk science. Yeah, physics and, and physics and resistance training go hand in hand. Gravity's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel that. Yoga. <laughs> yeah. Love yoga. All you need is your body to get kick your own ass. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> body weight resistance. Okay. Well, that, I think that was a really good introductory one yeah. and ties in really well with what we were just talking about. Yeah. So yeah, it's so not just music, but music seems to be the most pointed, obvious space where this comes in, but. Then it kind of leads me directly into another weird thing is I, I get kind of visions or dreams that come true too. And that's where I think that's harder for me to talk about because it feels deep. It feels more, maybe harder to process for other people. I don't say this to people as much as like me being cheeky about astrophysics guy and the queen, but these things are really deep because like, probably the story I want to talk about is, is my grandmother's death. You know, because that was, you know, that's my grandma. <laughs> Can I just say something really quick? Yeah. I forgot that we had talked about that initially. Because it's been, it's been like month, a little over a month, yeah. I would say, this morning. Because I think if I'm in tune in any way, shape, or form, it's through dreams. 
I haven't dreamed about my grandma who passed away maybe almost a year ago in quite some time and this morning I dreamed about her. No way. And she looked really good and she seemed really happy and it was just for a moment and it was right before I woke up for the day. That was today. That was today. Oh wow, okay. That's, I just, yeah. I feel like that's worth mentioning. It is worth mentioning. So thank you for, for bringing that up. Yeah, that's interesting. So when did your grandma pass away? Well, it's been, it's been a number of years. I mean, gosh, I think it was my, my youngest son is 17 and it must have been when he was about two or three. So it's been that long. It's been a decade. Wow. Yeah. And my grandmother and I, I mean, she and I are so close and my grandfather too in different ways but she was just very nurturing to me. And I always had imagined that, so I rewind a little bit. We, I grew up in Colorado. I moved down to Arizona and I always felt like I wanted to move back to Colorado to be with her in her last years. To, she had done such a good job caring for me. And so I just felt sort of my responsibility to come back here and care for her in her final years. That just felt right. And so, it was pretty upsetting. One morning I was you know, in Arizona, woke up to a very startling dream. Basically, in my dream, my mother was just screaming at me, just yelling at me in my face, like a drill sergeant. And it's, you know when, well, I don't know if you know, <laughs> hopefully you don't know this, but if, <laughs> if you have a drill sergeant yelling, <laughs> yelling at your face and like where you can, they can even spit on you, you know, like that close, it, it triggers some emotions where you might want to like, tell them to shut up or shove them or run away or, you know, it triggers the flight and fight stuff. And, and in my dream, I just, I finally just had it with her yelling at me and I screamed back at her like, what's your deal? Why are you yelling at me? And she yells back, because your grandmother's dead. That was the startling statement that just woke me up instantly. I just sat straight up in my bed and I just heard, your grandmother's dead. Wow. Yeah, and I felt that, that was real. Just, oh my God, and I couldn't shake it. So, you know, but I had to get to work, so I, I get myself ready for work. At that point, I worked at the university, and you know, there's like coffee time in the morning where people don't actually work, they just sit around the coffee coffee pot. And That's how you got to start your day. Yeah, gossip. Yeah. <laughs> And I just, I kind of mentioned to my boss during coffee talk time, like, look, I really need to call my grandma. I need to know what's going on. Something, something's not right. And so I called her and she, she was so sweet on the phone. She's, hi, you know, what are you doing? I'm like, grandma, something's wrong. What's going on? I said, you know, grandma, just, are you okay? I'm fine. Why? Just, just, I feel like I need to come up there. I feel like we need to be together. And she kind of talked me off that idea. And she's like, look, I'm, I'm going to Illinois today to see my sister. I'm gonna go visit her for a few days. And I'm just, before that, I'm gonna head over to the doctor. She had a little heart thing. I also have a little heart thing. And she just was gonna, it was like a, a procedure where it's like an in and out surgery, but she would get to leave where they put her under and just check her heart valve and then she'd get to go, and then she'd hop on a plane and leave. It wasn't anything like open heart surgery or anything. It was just meant to, to check her out, make sure she's good. 
And I was like, oh, okay. And so you're heading to Illinois. All right. And so I kind of just let it go. And it was a relief to hear her voice. And you just write it off. It was just a scary dream. It was just a scary dream. But again, around like lunchtime, I couldn't shake it. And so I called my aunt and I talked to my aunt about it. I said, I think I need to go to Colorado. She was like, Sarah, it's just a dream. Like you're overreacting. Grandma is old, but it's, it's not worth like putting your life on freeze over. Like you gotta keep, like you, it's a dream. So you need to keep going on with your day and make you know proper arrangements when you go wanna go visit during the holidays. That makes sense. But what you're talking about makes no sense. That's emotional decision-making on a dream. Like, hello. I was like, okay, but I couldn't shake it. And no shit, like, I, it's just so silly. I, I have my cell phone. I still have this saved on my phone. I don't erase it. But my aunt called my phone about two hours later to let me know that um, my grandma did not wake up from the anesthesia. And the anesthesiologist, um, which they never admit to, called my aunt and said he had no clue why she didn't wake up. Like it was really freaky, kind of weird thing. And so I just remember getting that message on my phone and then calling my aunt and just like, I, I knew it, I knew it. I knew it the whole time, like, like somebody was trying to prepare me for her passing and it seemed premature as well. Like it didn't seem like it was her time to go. And so I feel like they, like they, they the universe or whatever kind of knew, we all knew that it wasn't her time it had to happen, and so they had to send that information to me in a dream. That's what I feel. And and then that, this is kind of fast forwarding a couple of weeks, I had another dream a couple of weeks later where my grandfather came to me in that dream. He'd already passed, and he had explained to me in my dream that he really missed her, and he needed her there. And so don't don't worry, we know you wanted to take care of her, but she, she, we needed to be together. <laughs> that is. Yeah. That I. That is, really sad, but also really beautiful. Yeah. And I'm glad that your grandpa, did, convey that because, especially if everyone felt like, and what a weird, what a weird way. To just not wake up. It made no sense. And here's, here's the other part of this is like with my grandfather and both of my great grandparents, I was actually there holding their hands as they passed. Like I was there while they took their last breath. With your, with with your my grandfather, too. my great grandfather, and my great grandmother. Oh my gosh. And I think maybe that was why I felt it so important I'd be with her for mm -hmm. her last years. It just felt like somehow this is part of, um, God, how do I explain it? I feel like there's some sort of thing for me, with me, um, to be there. Would it be like fair to say that maybe you are helpful for people when they're passing? Because you seem to yeah. kind of be connected to that. Interesting you say that because I guess just now I'm, like, are you repeating that to me? Uh, yeah, I think you're right, only because I think in the last episode too, we had talked about the, the woman that I performed CPR on. Mm -hmm. 
and how she tried to connect with me before I had to give her CPR and I don't think she made it. And I tend to, people come to me when there's crisis mm -hmm. and I think I do handle those situations pretty well. And I, it, those, uh, life and death sort of make sense to me. With my grandmother, it didn't make sense to me. Interesting. And so to have this follow-up dream, like the dream in of itself kind of freaked me out. It just, I was panicked. I was like, I can't shake it. Grandma, I need to be with my grandma. I need to be with my grandma. It felt like her life was stolen. And then to have grandpa come back to me and say, I know you feel that way, honey, but like sometimes I asked her to be here. Like sometimes people mm -hmm. are asking, like I, she did, she's my companion, you know? He missed her. Yeah. And like my, if you knew my grandpa, like he didn't, he was so independent and always like almost patronized my grandma all the time. Like she, he was like super businessman and like typical like 1955 <laughs> man, man, you know, like just wanted to be a leader of the household and she was definitely the stay at home mom, you know? So I think in some ways that was sort of patronizing her. Like he patronized her with how he talked to her, but like at the end of the day, he needed her. You know? It sounds like he did. Yeah. I wonder how your grandma feels about it. Ah, okay. She knew. Yeah? It just rem I just got reminded when you said that. So when I went back to her home, we were clearing out the house. And I went down to like the depths of the basement by the furnace, the scary place with all the black widows. <laughs> like that nobody ever wants to go to. And you're like... Okay, I guess we gotta pull out the Christmas decorations and sort those out. And there was, there was a bag with my name on it with a little like sticky note with her handwriting. And I opened it up and she had embroidered a, like a little piece of fabric with my initials on it and said, um, there was a note that said, I've always enjoyed our, oh, I'm gonna cry. I've always enjoyed our talks. But my time's coming. And the last time I'd been with her, we were just like sitting at a table doing a puzzle. And she had mentioned she was embroidering something, I guess. I don't know, but I didn't think of it until just now. Um, oh my God. Yeah, so I think she just, maybe she knew more than we did. Maybe she was the one that came to me in the dream when the day came. But, so the note said, I've always enjoyed our talks, but but it's almost my time. Is that what it said? Mm. Wow. Mm -hmm. How did she know? That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And she, like, you know, for the last time I saw her in person, she, you know, she always, she had, she was having some like dizzy spells and stuff, but she always had like high blood pressure. So you know, and you know, like it's the same as like this Queen of England thing. Like you're like, well, you know, she's led a good life. Like she's a senior. <laughs> like it could happen. So I mean, it's not unheard of. It's just kind of how it all unfolded and the way I was told it was giving me. I mean, maybe somehow everyone knew I needed. I wanted to be up here with her and living with her in her final years and I wasn't going to get that opportunity. So maybe it was a way to buffer that 
so-called like divine decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Give know. you a warning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That you know you don't have control over that. Well, I'm glad that you listen because I think a lot. Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who get messages and they they don't listen because we don't know what to do with them. We don't know if they're real, and I think it takes a bit of bravery to yeah. pay attention and. I'm really glad that you did, and I'm glad you got to talk to her. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I'm curious with with maybe with your interviews with people, but like something. I dream a lot, and I don't know that everyone does. Uh, they they don't. I I dream quite a bit. Yeah. Um, my husband doesn't really doesn't dream yeah. very often, and I think I think it's pretty divided. I think some people dream uh, more than others. Because I remember about two to three dreams every night. Oh, that's quite a bit. Yeah. That's yeah. more than me. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, they've always been really, like, clear. And, I mean, I even remember dreams, like, when I was, like, a toddler. I still remember the dreams I had when I was, like, two. Really? Mm-hmm. What, what were they, did they seem significant? Yeah, well, one nightmare I had, and I think it's totally related to <laughs> fears of going into like preschool, but I remember I was asked to stand in line in this big gym, but it was a scary gym. Like it was dark and it was definitely a basketball gym with really high ceilings, but it, the lights were out except for like that one floodlight, you know, so it had that eerie, look to it but I was asked to stand in line and I didn't know why I was being asked to stand in line but I could I kind of peeked my head and I looked and they were throwing kids into a fire <laughs> what yeah they were throwing children into a big bonfire <gasps> this was a nightmare you had as a toddler mm -hmm. I was probably Toddlers don't even know like what a gym is. Well, that's like, what I mean is like I didn't have the vocabulary to even express this nightmare. Do you know? Okay, so when you talked about that, this is because before we started recording, we talked a lot about like how much my like two recent episodes like have really affected me and like kind of how I have started seeing things. And so with you being I think pretty clearly connected to something outside of this current dimension that our reality is in. One of the big topics was institutions mm. and how they can be pretty evil and that dream that you had kind of feels like a metaphor for starting human life, going into your first institution, and kind of what that represents. Well, here's here's the stickler. I go, hang on to that thought, because yeah. I like it. As I'm standing in line, someone taps me on the shoulder and pulls me out of that line. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. But what do you do? Like, you wake up and you believe all your friends are being murdered. <laughs> And you're two, you have no control, but you got pulled out of that line. 
And that stuck with me. Like, that's what I'm saying. That that has stuck with me my whole life. I I have full (laughs) body chills, and that usually doesn't happen to me. But you're talking about, like, institution and, like, symbolism here. That's interesting. And I feel like that's a way that our dreams tell us things a lot. And I've heard from, like, when psychics talk about how they receive messages, that a lot of times it's in metaphors and they have to do some work to figure out what it means mm-hmm. and they'll see visions but it won't be like it's not direct messages all the time and so I feel like dreams are similar right well it, it it's like it is sometimes just like these messages that come to you I don't so I definitely feel there's a distinction between when I'm creating my own fantasy in my mind, my using my own imagination mm-hmm. versus when things just come to me. There's definitely, I can tell the difference. I can mm-hmm. tell when this is, like even in my artwork, so I'm an artist as well, so as I'm putting an idea down on a canvas, there's a lot more struggle when it's me trying to orchestrate an idea on the canvas or lay the down the paint and create an idea versus when it just comes to me. Mm-hmm. The most successful art pieces I have are when I'm not actually thinking about what's happening. It just just is happening. So that's interesting with thinking about metaphor and the, the discovery and the investigation of all this. To me, at least for me, when when things come to me, it's it's clear. When it's my own brain, it's muddy and messy and I have to pull it apart and wonder if this is because of my upbringing or because of my personality or, you know, maybe I had too much caffeine that day or, you know, (laughs) but I think that's why even with the grandma thing, the grandma dream, you can't shake it. Mm -mm. It wasn't something I had made up and I'm just paranoid. Like it just, it was a message. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I, I I don't know. I just I I feel like I've heard way more than enough to know like that you're pretty gifted. Thank you. <laughs> and I feel really lucky to have gotten to meet you. And and even like just that cuz I remember I just I remember when we met and just like having an instant connection. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> I'm always really nervous to bring up that I I have a paranormal co- podcast because either people yeah. are really interested or they're like really turned off. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like yeah yeah. yeah. You're not one. But I, you know I like other, I like coffee too. Like, yeah. We can talk about sports. We can talk about <laughs> sports and coffee. Yeah. It's fine. I don't want to talk about ghosts yeah. at all. Yeah yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I was so relieved to actually get to like share some of this stuff because I'm with you. I, I don't I don't always know how people will respond, and I do appreciate people's company. So. Yeah, and and some of the conversations that we've had have really really helped echo some a lot of what I've been seeing. The more stories that Josie and I look into and talk about about how scary it is for people to talk about what they've experienced because yeah. uh, there's so much stigma. Mm-hmm. And there's so much questioning in ourselves of, did I witness that? Did I feel that? Did I hear or see that? Or And we've had a few stories where people don't seek help, don't share what they're going through, and it ends really badly for them. And mm-hmm. you become so isolated. And I think the more we can talk about it, it's just so important. Because... Yeah. 
it just it really seems to be woven into our reality and we don't want to a lot of people don't want to know that well it's frustrating too like with when I dreamt about grandma and I call my aunt and she's like it's just a dream and I'm like whoa, whoa, whoa no I know it's not just a dream like mm -hmm. I knew that and I didn't feel believed yeah and I knew it was inspiring action from me and then I felt like I was t being talked out of it yeah when I knew that if I just trusted myself I would know what to do because I feel like if I hadn't and no, no blame to my aunt, but if I had just followed my gut on that, I think I would have had that flight and been there with her. Mm -hmm. So there's like a little guilt there. Yeah, and I see why, but it's not... I think you did everything right that you knew how to do at the time, and that's part of maybe like a really good lesson of you should trust yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And we should trust ourselves, and that was one of, another one of the big messages that I got from the extraterrestrial enlightenment episodes about how we we don't really recognize our own value and how special we are, and maybe the more we can learn to do that, the better. So I'm wondering if you have had anything you know, else kind of spooky mm. come across your path. Mm. Yeah, there's some more. <laughs> I would love to look um, whatever whatever you're willing to share, I'm willing to hear. Hmm. Well, let's see. I mean there's all sorts of fun things. There's silly fun things. Not just like deep grandma stories, but not the ones that make you cry, but there's <laughs> there's both good. There's definitely where you well, oh, okay. Rewind back to toddler years mm -hmm. and I don't actually fully remember this but my mother reflected this back to me that we used to live in a little town south of, of Boulder here in a very tiny tiny home and again this was when I was a toddler because I think we moved out of there when I was two and a half so I was pretty young and apparently I was in the back room of this tiny tiny home and I ran to my mom asking why there was a man in my room. <laughs> so as mama bear, cause it's just, she's single mom with a little toddler. She was like, what the fuck? So she grabs probably like a pair of scissors or something and went back to go investigate, but there was nobody in the house. And, but she was startled enough to run over to the neighbors with me. And the neighbor just laughed and said, oh, she finally saw him. Well, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. And my mom said the same thing, and the neighbor then informed my mom that there's a, a ghost that hangs out on the properties there, that this little kind of housing area units, if you will. They were just trailers, right? So it was all on this old homestead, and apparently the homestead had burned down back, you know, in the 1800s maybe. I don't know. I don't know how far back it was, but it's definitely before 1900 and the homestead had burned down. Now, I'm guessing that somebody died in that, but I'm not totally sure, but she had mentioned, yeah, there's a homestead and there's this guy that still hovers around here and your daughter just saw him, I saw him too. The same, I just saw him too. Your neighbor had, had seen him. Yeah, at that same moment. Like that night? That same morning or oh whatever. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, so it 
it was like I think my mom then it kind of was eyeballing me like how are you seeing this stuff yeah because now you mm -hmm. have someone and I feel like that usually doesn't happen so I'm really glad that they said something like oh yeah I've seen them yeah it was nice and you know again you're dealing with a little two-year-old and you know we we have imaginations and I didn't yeah. but again it's like going back to I wasn't saying I do study a lot of neuroscience and there are times that we have parts of ourselves that show up as imaginary friends. Sure. But I just was saying that there was a man in my room. Like it wasn't somebody I wanted to play with. <laughs> like it was just no, like this guy. There's a difference. I think I've said before, I had an imaginary like friend who was a dog growing up and like that was yeah. very intentional. But <laughs> yeah. we've had a story where because I think a lot of times parents will see their children talking to someone yeah. and writing it off as an imaginary friend yeah. when it's not. Right. And There's lots of movies about this. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, and their kids are seeing someone and talking to someone. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's my friend. Yeah. And they're, or they're scared or they're not scared. And it, it's, it happens oh. all the time. Wow. So the kind of along the... So back to grandma. Sorry, yeah. but so back to grandma. So keep in mind, when grandma died, I'm a mother of two. I am a reasonable, <laughs> responsible woman um, that doesn't need imaginary friend. Um, but the day that we you know, buried my grandmother. I was in her home and I think I mentioned to this this to you already, but I was standing over by the hutch and my Aunt Jane had yelled something to me from the bedroom, which is down the hall, so I had to kind of look to the right and I saw grandma, I saw my grandma sitting in her chair. And it's it looked so normal because that's where she always sat when I hang out with her, like that's her chair. So I didn't, it wasn't startling. So I just looked over it, but then what became startling was then, wait, she, she's dead now? I had to fix it in my head that no, she can't be there. So I kind of looked over, you know, aunt said something and I turned my head back and I went, wait, what? You know, and then she's not there. And right then my aunt comes down the hallway and she sees the look on my face because I'm confused. And she goes, what's wrong? And I said, I just saw grandma. And she goes, yeah, she's been doing that all day. She's been doing that all day. She's been appearing all day. So your aunt has been seeing her and just... Yeah, which so we all know is like a residual hunting, right? Like we could, and I always felt like in that case, so different from the dreams and different, well, maybe not because to me, like even if you are ghost, spirit skeptic we could still talk about the physics of this because we all know that when some asshole comes into the room when some jerk comes into the room and then they leave the room you feel it yeah and that's energy right so when grandma dies it's very possible and likely like her energy is just still in that room as she's passing um we hear about this all in every culture Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not to me. That's not scary and the same with possibly this guy when I was two who had his homestead there Like his energy is still on that property and I worked at the Stanley Hotel for a while and there's stories there I think a lot of that is residual. I Definitely agree with that yeah. and there's a lot of what is it called the stone tape theory. Oh, I don't know this I think that's what it's called where 
if a building is made out of a certain material, right. then it'll record. Quartz and limestone, right? That one's a big one. Yeah. That's, uh, isn't the Stanley built on a lot of Correct. limestone? So, so obviously we're in Boulder, Colorado, and I keep promising that I'm going to post the couple of photos that I have from my uh-huh. tour that Josie and I took with the Stanley like many, many years ago. And I think I showed you it. It's got the, um, the orbs. The orbs. orb of yeah. light, like, in, yeah. I should post. I'm gonna. I'll make sure I post it with this. Episode. Orbs are interesting because, like, a lot of them can be little dust particles. Totally. But then sometimes, what? Then why is it that dust particle there with that shape in that face in that way? Because there's some weird. Mine had a trajectory, and you could see it change directions based on the <laughs> tail. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm that's a good one. That. That's a good star particle. Yeah. That's a star. That's not a dust. <laughs> yeah. Someone was around about Speaking about that. aliens, and you, when they when they do that, that's a, that's UFO. <laughs> oh, yes. The UAPs. Yeah, when they change directions. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, oh, that's just a light in the sky. It's just a star. And then no. it starts moving around like a living creature yeah, with no. consciousness. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I love those. I love them. So uh, that is pretty cool. So you used to be a tour guide. Yes. And so... And this might require like more conversation later, but but yeah, so I, I went there not believing I was gonna be talking about ghosts, although that's definitely flavorful there because of Stephen King and the whole Shining movie, which by the way, wasn't filmed there. Um, right, so with the yeah. Stanley, what is it? Because there's the other hotel in Washington. Right, which is where they only filmed the outside so that when you watch the movie, which mm-hmm. is by Kubrick, right? So Kubrick and Stephen King had totally different ideas about the movie. Oh. So Kubrick wanted this magnificent hotel, which was in Washington, in Mount Hood, right? Oh, yeah. The, the scene where they're driving through the Rockies of so-called Colorado, it was the Rockies, but they were the Canadian Rockies because oh. it's much cheaper to film in Canada than the U.S. That's a, like a lot of movies are filmed in Canada. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a sweet secret if you want to produce anything. Sweet. <laughs> so then... <laughs> But then all of the inside stuff was at a just a studio in London. None oh. of it's real. So then what part does the Stanley play? Yeah, I know. People go up there thinking they're going to see all these scenes from the movie. You're not. Uh-huh. But if you follow Stephen King, he actually was a CU professor, had gone up to Estes Park because he... He was, was a... Oh, I'm sorry. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. He was a professor at CU? Yeah, just on a like, temporary like sabbatical type thing. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Please continue. You're welcome. I, I went to and see actually, you, so I'm kind of excited. Oh, yeah. And he, he worked out at my gym. What? <laughs> no, he didn't. Cool. So, yeah, so he's here for, you know, a little tour of CU to teach a few students some things, but he also was kind of trying to write a book, and the, the publishers have already invested in him and pressure's on, and he's got writer's block. And so he... And this is the story is that he's like really putting pressure on himself, not getting the space. So he drives up the mountain to get some fresh air. Hmm, to get some fresh mountain air. Mm-hmm. And he wants to actually drive up and over the mountain pass in the Rocky Mountain National Park. And go figure, there's a big snowstorm and that prevents him from getting over the pass. So he decides to look around Estes Park. Like he kind of backtracks, which Estes Park is the closest town and he is looking for a place to stay for the night because he can't make it all the way down the mountain the roads are shit right so 
he's looking around and he finds the Stanley Hotel, but back then and most of, up until recently, the Stanley Hotel um, was only a summer resort because they had no means to heat it. They didn't heat it during, you know, so there oh. literally is a, you know, hotel groundskeeper that takes care of it during off season, just like the movie and the book, right? Mm. So you have the groundskeeper and they, um, unlike in the movie, there's several different buildings at the Stanley Hotel, not just one. Mm-hmm. So you have like the main hotel, concert hall, and then you actually have like the staff residence hall. So like the groundskeeper would stay at that residence hall and they would heat that one building, but not all the buildings. So they closed down. And it just so happened that like Stephen King stumbles upon the hotel when they're closing. They're, they've packed up all the alcohol, they've packed up all the food, everyone's leaving, and the only person left there was the groundskeeper who's like, dude, we're closed. And we're not sure how Stephen King convinced him, maybe some cash or some, you know, extra drugs or something. Like he can he kind of negotiated a means to stay there anyways. So wow. this is this is how he ends up writing the book because apparently the the groundskeeper offered him the presidential suite. Ooh, so you okay, so he was in the Stanley Hotel by himself. And his wife. And his wife, okay. Yeah, two of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was super creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the groundskeeper, again, is staying in a different building. So they really are, like, alone. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so, apparently, Stephen King had insomnia, and he started walking around the, the building, and that's when he started seeing things, which are all in his book. So, like, he went into the, the ballroom, and he saw people dancing, for example but dressed in clothes from the turn of the century, not 1970. No, he didn't. What? And then he walked up to the fourth floor and saw the children, which the fourth floor, if you don't know, happened to be where all the children stayed with their nannies. Like in in real real life? For real? Yeah, so like when you're rich and famous, like you're a Roosevelt or a Vanderbilt, and you're hanging out with F.O. Stanley back in, you know, 19-whatever, 19... When would they be there? Probably like... 1920s, 1930s, something like that. You would you would bring your family up, but the adults wanted to be adults by themselves, and the kids would go hang out with their nannies. They're not meant to be seen at the different events. Mm-hmm. So they would stay on the fourth floor. And so Stephen King went up there and saw two children playing up there. Now, they weren't like the movie, like Kubrick made them, these girls that were like, come play with us, Danny. You know, uh, the creepy ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No one was murdered at the Stanley Hotel, but people certainly could have gotten like tuberculosis and died. But there was no like weird murder. But anyway, Stephen King saw these children on the fourth floor and runs over to tell the groundskeeper, like, I'm seeing some children. We know where their parents are. Like he's concerned for the kids, thinking they're real children, alive and happening. Wow. And the groundskeeper's like, there's no one here, dude. Like, get off the drugs. I I had no idea. I feel like when I got the tour, they didn't talk about this. That is interesting. This is, like, yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder if the limestone and, like, that stone tape theory, and I wonder if maybe he, Stephen King's a little bit sensitive. Well, right. So if you work there, you, go, you would go to the basement and see that the entire structure of the building is not on a foundation at all. It's on 
the actual rock. Wow. So you go to the basement and it's you can actually touch the rock and there's little crawl spaces. That's where I think I got my orb mm -hmm. picture. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if he was, if he did see what he said he, what he said he did. Well, I believe it because me working there, I would get just things I couldn't explain happening and I wouldn't, you know, if you go there for a tour, there's the power suggestion and you're kind of hoping for something weird to happen. But I worked there for about six to nine months. Like it, it was pretty short, but I left because there was just too much happening and I started really getting headaches and stuff just wasn't feeling good up there energetically. And I think I was feeling drained. And part of that is like I would, I would go to the fourth floor and kind of like static, my hair would start standing up by itself in certain spaces on the on the floor and then people's cameras would start taking pictures rapidly like to start taking pictures and they couldn't turn their phone off or they couldn't turn their camera off and then when we would leave from that floor things would kind of taper down and go back to normal my hair would go back down like there's times I'd give tours and people were taking my picture and I couldn't figure out why there was like the first week I worked there I was just shadowing another tour guide and we went to the concert hall. We were up in the balcony and I just got this big whiff of rose perfume. You could smell the rose perfume. And my thought was like somebody in the tour just like douse themselves with rose perfume. And my thought was like, dude, I don't remember this being popular right now. Like, why are they, you know, like this is kind of an old style perfume if you're not adding, you know, jasmine and getting it at Bath and Body Works. Like pure rose perfume is pretty strong. And, um, and again, not, wasn't popular. It wasn't Dolce & Gabbana. So, right, right. <laughs> so I was, it was striking. And I just thought, you know, somebody on the tour just was really stinky and like too much. And huh. I was like, Ugh. Um, but then the next week I did another tour and then I smelled that same perfume in the grand staircase. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. Why is everyone wearing rose perfume? <laughs> like, this is weird. So by the th time it happened a third time, I actually just, again, kind of blurp, make a comment to my boss. God, everyone's wearing rose perfume. It's like giving me a headache. And, he's, and he starts laughing. He goes, you didn't do your homework. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he goes, Flora Stanley, F.O. Stanley's wife, the people that built the hotel. Did you, do you know anything about her? You should have been reading up on this. And I'm like, what? Apparently... She was known to wear rose perfume, so heavy that people assumed like the staff of like when she was, you know, running the place would say she kind of bathed in it, like she'd, you know, make a bath and put rose essence in her bath. And, and just wait just exactly what you were smelling. And the places that I smelled it, if you know about Flora Stanley during events at the concert hall she would stand up in the balcony and oversee the event when people came to the Stanley Hotel she would greet them at the grand staircase so I was picking up smells of her in the places that she would have been when she was alive oh wow for that one do you think that is an energetic imprint or do you think she's there still mm, that's a good question I I sort of in my instincts say just an just a energy okay that yep. I'm sensitive to. I never really felt like she was there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just just an like, essence of her. Mhm. Mm that just at, almost out of respect to like almost yeah. like a reminder that this 
this is something she cares about, you know, sort of like, you know, grandma's chair, that's gonna have her essence on it, even if grandma's body and spirit are other, other places. Oh, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, so. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. Wow. But there's definitely, like at the Stanley Hotel, other things that felt a little bit more involved in present time, like things, interactions, mm. like doors closing, and like I said, the, the cameras turning on and off, and my hair going up and down. I feel like that's something or some energy kind of interacting with me. Like more intelligent mm-hmm. than yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Did stuff like that happen to other tour guides? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I always thought it was just fun, you know, that they wanted us to believe these stories in order to give a better tour. Mm-hmm. So yeah. initially when I'm giving, like my first week at work, I'm giving mostly history, mostly talking about how the Stanleys made their money and how Stephen King ended up there and why the book was written and blah, blah, blah. But, and then you would hear about things that have happened to people. And so it was all kind of hearsay. You're like, oh, okay, something, something happened to you. What you, you know, it's a power suggestion. It's a power suggestion. It's gotta be. Yeah. But that's not, it, but that's not what happened to me. Like it's just things, kept happening and at the most random times not expecting it just there you know at the concert hall a door opening closing by itself and there's no reason for it to happen oh wow yeah and did things only happen when you were on tours or did they happen no. when you were by yourself as well yeah, yeah all of the above Wow. Yeah. So, you know, and sometimes, like, selfishly, you kind of want things to happen when you're on a tour. Yeah. Because then you get tips. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. That's why you're like, whether to. that was real or not, you did a great job. Here's 20 bucks, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so in some ways, you want that, but sometimes you don't want that because it is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it can be confusing sometimes just to go, did that really happen? But it's not, I never felt scared. But I just, like, sometimes would kind of look over like did that really happen like that door just shut and it's been propped open because of a beveled carpet and the hinges don't allow it to shut and the weight of the door is keeping it open for weeks it has not been touched and all of a sudden it just it kind of wavers and then slams shut when I'm standing there and you're like for a moment you're like did that just happen so you're like hmm huh, maybe the, maybe it's something normal like air conditioning kicked on or something. So you just open the door back up because the door needs to stay open because we give tours. And you open up the door again and you're kind of staring at it funny. Like, giving it the okay, eyes. let's see you close again, door, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I stood there. This is, this is one day in particular. I stood there and stared at that door for like 15 minutes. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So I let down my guard. I'm like, that was just a weird thing and whatever. And then all of a sudden I hear it moving again and it's fluttering. It's just like the door is just like bopping back and forth and then it slams shut again. And I'm like, okay, I saw that one. And I immediately open up the door and I look at it and I'm like, okay, show me what you got. And it went and shut straight away. Really? Yeah, three times. And then I got the fuck out of there. I just left. I just, I'm like, you know what? I'm gone. Thanks for showing me out of here. I saw. I saw what <laughs> Appreciate you did. Yep. Bye. I'm not sure who you are, but you can have your door. Um, I thought I had heard that a homeless woman had passed away. Yeah. So in the concert hall, if you could imagine, the, the Stanley Hotel was not a money-making hotel. 
So when F.O. Stanley owned this, built it, whatever, he would have people come and he would just waste his money on entertaining. So when he sells the hotel to all these other owners over the years, they all are going bankrupt over this property um, because it doesn't have heat in the winter. It's only a summer resort, right? So it's just not a revenue stream that you can rely on. And so longer story short is that the owner in the 70s, and I forget his name, I'm so sorry, but pretty much just boarded up a lot of the property buildings, just kept the main the main hotel open, but the concert hall was boarded up. And it just so happened that that winter, a young lady, and we, we call her Lucy, I'm not sure if her name's really Lucy, but Lucy had run away from her parents. She had been in Wyoming and she ran away and ended up in Estes Park. She decided to go into that concert hall. It had been boarded up, but it's a nice warm place, especially during winter, right? So she went down into the basement and made her home in there. We're not really sure how long, except for they were hoping to bulldoze the place, right? So they actually, you know, whatever the city inspection or whatever it was at that time, what they would call that person and the owner were walking through all the property buildings to, to take a look and they caught her living in there and they were going to bulldoze the place. So they had to kick her out. Well, she got kicked out, ended up in a park and froze to death. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happens pretty quickly, right? Like you hear about this, like Estes gets pretty cold. If you don't have a place to go, you can freeze to death in a matter of hours. I oh, mean, for sure. Yeah. So she gets kicked out. They don't let her stay there. She freezes to death. And they think she's haunting the place. I would. That'd be like the last warm place that you had considered home. That was her home. And so that's where I had seen that door move was in the basement of the concert hall. And it, it's the it's the little room off to the side, right? So yeah, if you go into the concert hall and you head to the basement, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of, and I don't know if they still use it this way, but it's where if you were to have a wedding there where the bride would get all gussied up, like that room. To- okay, and mm-hmm. so the reason that I ask is because Josie and I saw that door move. Also. Oh no, shit. Yeah, because <laughs> we were in there, the tour had moved on, but they had told us the story about how sometimes Lucy would make the door move. No kidding. And so we stayed behind. I didn't know they were saying that story now. So see how this my story... This was a story... long time ago, though. And and I don't think I got all the details, just that a homeless woman had passed away. Okay. Like, on or near the property. Yeah. Who had been staying there. Yeah. And so Josie and I stayed behind, and we asked if Lucy would make the door move. And the door did not... It didn't slam, but it was, it was a jar, and it moved... It, it started to close and went about five inches in. No kidding. Yeah, and I think it happened twice. Yeah. So that so we really kind of want to do like a one of their other like nighttime ghost. Yeah. Stories. So the concert hall is definitely like what everyone has determined to be one of the most active sites for hauntings in in the country. Like that in particular the country. I think it's on the top ten. You'd have to check it out. But oh, wow. it's that concert hall is known to be super active. Wow. So if it's Lucy, it's Lucy, I don't know. But mm-hmm. that door, man, that's the same. And I I couldn't believe it. And I was with I was with my boss who's a ghost skeptic. And he he was kind of looking at it too. So we were like <laughs> I'm like, I know you saw that. And I'm like, there's no air conditioning on. <laughs> like, there's there's no, there's nothing that the, the place was, the day, place was dead. The place was quiet. <laughs> it was it was just so still. There was nothing, there was no commotion, no one opening, closing doors. The, there was nobody upstairs. It was just us. Ugh. 
It's. <laughs> I really want to go back now. If you if you go back, like, let me know. Cause and I'm sure Josie and I are gonna go back okay. up there for sure. And we really yeah. want to do one of their nighttime ghost tours that they do. And yeah. it's kind of nice that there's a place that isn't plagued by like murder and yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible things that you can go to and still get activity from. Cause that that makes it a lot more lighthearted. Yeah. And yeah. I really feel bad about Lucy though, cause she was just trying to. Yeah, thing. it's pretty sad. Yeah. It, that's just a terrible story. Yeah, really sad. Yeah. But I have had so much fun hearing about <laughs> all of your stories. Cool. And you made me tear up. Yeah. Which was really beautiful. What's your grandma's name? Uh, Judith. Dorothy's mine. Dorothy. <laughs> that's, oh my gosh. I, and I've never seen my grandma look like more well mm. than she did in my dream this morning Aww. so maybe our grandmas are connecting hanging out through maybe us. hanging out with the queen <laughs> why not I, I bet everyone's trying to hang out with the queen now They're like, well, you made it let's have a part we'll have a jubilee a jubilee oh my god i thought about that i'm like that was the last jubilee for the queen oh but it is it's i and next time something big like that happens, I might have to reach out to you and be like, yeah. did you, did anything come yeah. to you before? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, the, I feel like both my grandparents have been around me this week. So that's interesting. And maybe, and I think, you know, us talking about stuff too. Brings it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Aww. I love that. And if you have anything else that you want to share, let's do this again. And Sounds good. Yeah. I'll let you know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and if you have anything that resonated with you about what Sarah told us, please let us know on Instagram or follow up with us on email at somethingspookish at gmail.com. And just let us know what you think because this was a very special episode and I really appreciate you sharing those stories. Until next time, stay spooky. Stay spooky.